Hello and welcome to this latest Hollywell Conversations podcast. Uh, in this episode, we're doing things differently, uh, as you can tell from the fact that I'm speaking. Now, I'm Paul Gosling, and for once, I'm doing the interviewing. And the interviewee is Fiona Corbin of the Hollywell Trust. So, Fiona, hello, and how are you? Uh, hi, Paul. I'm very well, thank you. So, right, uh, Fiona, today we are reflecting on a very significant project that the Hollywell Trust has been running in recent months, which is the 30 series of civic discussions. Can you tell us how these came about, who funded them, and who is engaged in them? Uh, sure. So, um, 30 is, has been a flagship project of Hollywell Trust in recent months. Um, and it, the reason it came about is we saw a real need for increased civic voice on some of the most divisive issues affecting civil society here in Northern Ireland. We took real inspiration from like the democratic process of the citizens' assemblies that take place in the Republic of Ireland, particularly in the respect of them dealing with some of the most contentious issues that perhaps elected representatives are often uh, often unable to resolve um, themselves. So things looking at like marriage equality, um, for example, and we were quite inspired by how everyday citizens actually have really strong views on important issues and they're often well equipped to arrive at sensible solutions to some of the, the challenging issues. Um, so we were inspired by that, but we're also conscious that there's very little space for local people um, or people of this place to have their voice heard on important issues. Um, so we came up with 30 using the model and the concept of many citizens' assemblies um, and really wanted to give people the chance uh, to to learn and to engage on, on some issues. So there was kind of three key themes that we looked at. We looked at education. Um, we looked at civic voice 20 years on from the Belfast Good Friday Agreement and also um, reconciling the past with a future focus. Now, just so that people understand... 30 means the number of participants aimed at for each forum. Yeah, uh -huh. so uh, we used 30 as the name um, and each mini citizens assembly that we hosted had 30 participants taking part and the project was really generously supported by the executive office as part of their central good relations fund. And he also mentioned the civic voices, and we should specify one, as I understand it, took place in Belfast and one in Derry. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, we had um, one take part or one take place in Belfast, and we had three uh, take place in the northwest. So over the lifetime of the project, we had four residential weekends dealing with the three issues. And the residential context is important, I think, from what your experience was. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the participants were drawn from a broad range of backgrounds, um, some people with real vested interest and experience in each of the themes, and some, and I hate to use this term, but were more just everyday citizens who have a vested interest and concern um, in the future of this place. Um, we we had, we, well, we decided that a residential uh, format would be the best way to do this in order to engage fully with the participants and to take them out of their usual surroundings, um, but most importantly, to bring people together um, in a kind of inclusive environment um, and to support them through the journey uh, of the deliberation stages, the learning stages, the discussions, um, especially because we knew that there would be such a wide range of uh, diverse perspectives um, and so there was real merit and joy to be honest in bringing such a wide range of people together for two days um, and looking after them as best as we could and making the experience really well as as we hoped anyway enjoyable to take part in. 
And what do you feel the process achieved? Um, I think the the process achieved a few things. It achieved the the consensus, not um enti- not enti- in its entirety, not a hundred percent consensus on some of the difficult issues, but it achieved people coming together. Um, and really importantly for us as a community relations organisation, it achieved space for people to deliberate on difficult issues, uh, to reflect on their own perspectives and to hear and learn from others. Um, And that in itself is a huge achievement, particularly on some of the difficult issues like uh, legacy and reconciliation. Um, I think that's really, really important um, in terms of recognising achievement at a local level, um, but it also really raised awareness of some big and important issues that perhaps in everyday life we can kind of tend to forget um, and especially in the absence of robust uh, political leadership that works at the minute it was heartening to see that people are actually really engaged in and interested in the issues that affect civil society but it's quite often they're not given the chance uh, to influence or have their say um, and there's also a kind of culture of misinformation or lack of information you know we can be so consumed by news and headline news uh, we quite often miss the complexities and the nuances uh, to some of those big issues so there was achievement in that um, and I think for us there's also um, something that we're proud of is the fact that we used a model that works elsewhere um, in more official democratic um, in a more official democratic way uh, as part of the the processes in the Republic of Ireland um, and took the learning from that on a smaller scale um, and so lots of achievement I, I can't say that we've influenced uh, policy so heavily that it's changed but it was really heartening to be able to share with policymakers and people in positions of influence and power what 30 concerned citizens on each issue think and feel um, in a robust way. So we're going to listen now to some of the participants and, and we'll begin with Avala Kulmari, uh who was a member of the Women's Coalition that was involved in negotiating the Good Friday Agreement. And Avila makes the point that it was the Women's Coalition that negotiated into the Good Friday Agreement sections on specific forum, of course, uh, plus recognising and supporting victims of the Troubles, women's representation, community development, and the focus on housing. Yeah. Um, in terms of what we're discussing today, Paul, so the Women's Coalition also negotiated the Good Friday Agreement um, the Civic Forum and it last met in 2002 so that has left a bit of a vacuum for discussion that went beyond the politicians and included a wider range of people. And that's the void that you addressed with 30 civic discussions? Absolutely and um, it was really about giving people constructive space for those discussions um, and also allowing them to be influenced by a wide range of uh perspectives and policy including guest expert input um, which was important to us. And Avila talks here about getting the Civic Forum off the ground and her frustration about it not still happening Uh, and uh, those were her remarks in the very first of the events which launched the Civic uh, Conversations of 30. The idea of you know the Citizen Voice, Civic Forums, Civic Assemblies, whatever you want to call it we felt was particularly important in, in Northern Ireland because of, of the conflict. It, and because politics anyway, but particularly politics in a contested society, it sort of draws the oxygen out of so many other issues. I mean, so many things are just ignored because everything is on 
A, sort of, you know, the constitutional question, and B, how do you stop the violence? Or how do you, how do you try and prevent it from reoccurring? And certainly, personally, I was coming out of the community movement, and specifically the women's movement. You know, and even, even just walking up to the, from the, the bus station here, you know, going past Pub Street, just remembering how silenced issues like domestic violence were in when we, we actually squatted to set that up, in 1977. And we were told, no, 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 it's never, it's never mentioned, social services told us. It's never mentioned, so it's not an issue. It's never mentioned because the whole thing at that stage was on the troubles, and continued very much to be on the troubles. So it, you know, issues, social issues, economic issues, really important issues became silenced. And that's why we sort of felt that you know, it was really important to actually get a broader range of voices in the discussion to actually you know, out some of those issues. And we could all have a list of issues that were involved in that, um, that really remained hidden. I mean, at the moment, um, I'm chairing a, a panel of survivors and victims from the Magdalene Laundry's mother and baby homes and workhouses. Again, it's one of these issues that was in plain sight, but actually you know, remained unspoken, hidden uh, over decades. And I think the other thing that we saw and still do see, in fact, probably actually see it more now than we did in the, in the 1990s, is how the media can narrow issues, uh, particularly when they're reporting, you know, um, not to me, many particular commentators, but when they're reporting on the politics. Because again, the emphasis is on getting people, the sort of more extreme voices, arguing with one another on the basis that that makes good sort of television or good radio listening or whatever else. And again, it squeezes so many other voices um, and, and issues out of, the, uh, out of the equation. And I think we've seen, or certainly I've seen, two other things um, in, the, in, in the recent past, though actually probably um, the, 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 they went longer than that. One, an anxiety among many people for actually raising their voice. Because they're basically sort of saying, oh, you know, as soon as we say something, Someone's going to take offence, they're going to try and box us into, oh, they would say that because they're from that background, or this background, or this interest group. So, you know, and, and when we look um, at, in the, again, in the, in the 90s, we had, through the Northern Ireland Council of Voluntary Action, uh, they called it the G7 group, which was the employers, it was the trade unions, it was the farmers, it was them as the sort of, the, the, the voluntary sector. And actually, there was a lot more people talking about saying, and they came together because they sort of said, we need peace. You know, they acted almost like as cheerleaders for the, for the talks. We, we haven't heard that as much in the last 10 years or so. Because again, I think people sort of feel, well, you know, if we move outside our little area, then the politicians or whoever else will say, back in your box, basically. Now, Fiona, we've, we've both listened to interviews with participants as well as Avila's contribution. And those participants said they got a lot out of these events. Yeah, that's right. Um, we're really delighted that some of our participants are able to contribute to this conversation. Um, and aside from the hopes and ambitions and aspirations for a project like this, it's absolutely critical for us that people enjoy taking part. Um, so really, really delighted about that. And now we're going to hear from Catherine Cook, who reflects both on what the absence of the Civic Forum has meant to all of us, really, but also how those 30 conversations provided a different perspective for her 
listening to voices that we don't often hear and that uh, she welcomed listening to. I was really, really, really keen and interested in getting ordinary people's point of views across. Um, we don't have a civic forum, so we don't have a choice or a chance or an opportunity to hear from people who would be, um, who may have different views to me or may have views that have never even been um, spoken out loud. We, we only hear from politicians and I thought it was an, a, that it made a good and change and a difference to um, the voices in the room. Not everyone is involved in the community uh, and voluntary sector and people came from different walks of life. It made it interesting to hear what was their priority and what um, their views on certain certain things were. So it was it was like getting an insight and a and a, a new perspective, mix of people, and I thought that we gelled really 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 well. And the residential idea was a really good idea because you're there for two days. And yes, he's worked us from early in the morning to late at night, but the conversations just flowed and the time just seemed to speed by. I I came back really enthused and refreshed from and feeling nearly like rejuvenated again about the possibilities of um, having a civic voice heard in um, the context of Northern Ireland. Okay, uh, now Grania McCluskey also provided her thoughts on the events and what most impressed me was that Grania was talking about how those conversations have actually led to changes in aspects of her life. Yeah, it's really really heartening to hear that, uh, Paul. And I think um, hearing specifically about how Grania has used some of that in her practice at work professionally is really inspiring um, and it's enthused us massively. If I think if everybody uh, could take just a small part of like the, the merit and value of hearing from other people, um, this place could be a whole lot better off in the long run. Okay, so so let's listen now to, to Grania. That residential allowing that bit of time to connect with people that I wouldn't otherwise have met and, I don't know, find some comfort in um, being able to explore kind of hard topics with people you know, the first part of that that day, I, I would be a chatter. So the first day, you know, I was quite happy to talk, but but on a, on a certain level. And I think um, having that time together then in the evening to talk and get to know people and to hear perspectives, you know, meant then at the second day, I was much more able to open up and to really hear other people as well. That we were able to sit in a group and go through, you know, in groups, um, ideas and put them forward and then discuss them, you know, in a in a in a citizen-led way really actually you know when you think about it um and that was to me quite poignant because when I was driving home I was thinking about you know how we came to make the decisions about what we would put forward and it didn't necessarily mean that um the things that didn't get put forward were left behind because we charted those two and I just it just got me thinking about how important civic assemblies and civic voices and how maybe it's been lost along the way not just from the peace process but sometimes from our politics as well maybe in a way that is reflective of um 2023 forwards rather than um starting where we left off and having having it moving forward in a way that's reflective of the current society 
a lot of the things about the peace process, um, I think, are hidden from the average person in the street, not through any kind of cover up, but just because politics is is in our blood. It's kind of in the background of everything that we've done all of our lives. And so, you know, for us, it's not I mean, I mean, people across Northern Ireland, it's not really um, something that you wake up in the morning and think about, but it comes on the TV and, and you're switched into it or you switch off. And I think since having attended the conference, I'm much more switched into some of the things that I hear and kind of what I don't hear, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I absolutely think that there's room for it. And particularly, like, you know, even just, like, looking at it and going, okay, so from 2002 to, what, 2007, we didn't have, you know, an executive, and here we are again. Um, and yet when it started up again, then, the, you know, the, the citizens' assemblies didn't. And actually, you would think, if you were starting up after a period of time where you had no politic, political representation in that respect, that you would absolutely look to bring that forward again with all of those, that mix of people in the room. Um, and so, so those kinds of things just had been lost on me and really kind of, I don't know, awakened something that I kind of keep more of a closer eye on things um, from a current affairs point of view than I maybe have done in the past. Um, and one of the other things as well, I think, is that even just in my own work, I would be very focused on neighbourhoods and looking at people in their own communities and what we could do to be more connected to where we live. Um, and I can see that there's a, a change in the way I think about it that I do more now, because I would have said it's it, it's kind of almost just um, by accident that then when people meet up, they, have, they find commonality, even though they're in different groups or in uh, different communities and, and local areas. Whereas now when I'm shaping something about people coming together, I make a point of pointing out some of our commonality um, in a way that I would have set, said I didn't bother to before, because I think it's quite important to do that so that other people can have something looking up in them and see, yeah, actually there is a lot of, di there's a lot of difference, but there's a lot, but there's a lot of similar similarity and actually culturally we can enjoy hearing about each other more. Yeah. If, if you can recognize that you both have, different views but you both have lots of common common approaches to a citizens assembly a modern citizens assembly started that um that is re representative of today and moving forward 25 years from now um but from a personal point of view i've already made some changes in that i am much more aware of um the need to um consider the way in which i shape activity to be not just reflective of local areas but to help people see the similarity they have with others and to create stronger peer-to-peer -peer relationships um, outside of their own communities that was part of my work but I'm much more aware of the need to point out the commonalities um, that we have so that other people leave our events maybe with some of the the thought processes in their mind that I drove home with Thanks to, to Gronje for, for that contribution. Uh, and we also can hear from Aidan McKinney, who's another enthusiastic participant. There's a time when ordinary people, and I consider myself an ordinary person, feels that they should have some input into what's happening. Maybe it, it doesn't go that far, but if you're along with a group, a group of people, and like-minded people, sometimes things can happen. And was to try and investigate the stalemate we're at now and the, the situation around Northern Ireland, which doesn't seem to have improved in the last 50 years, like in some ways it got worse. So trying to use our ordinary civic, uh, ordinary civil people, people non-connected, non-political, 
just to try and again investigate a way forward. I found the process uh, at the time. I found it. I was actually daunted at the time, and then when I was daunted at the start of it, I think the process went exceptionally well. It was it, in my mind. I, I've been involved in different processes like this in the past, different things, but some of them get very long winded. I thought the the organisation of it, the way the people were focused and 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 remain focused for the time, they weren't the. The participants weren't allowed to wander all over the place uh, and the different uh, different avenues, taking different paths. Yeah. And and the time factor was also very important to me because it meant that the people taking part focused on what they had, they had a specific time to do something and they had to do it. So that that to me was very productive. Well, some of the solutions, I, I was involved in one of the discussions with education. And funny, one of the solutions we had was, first of all, we were trying to say, what can you change? And, and I, I know my mind was some of the changes can be too, too dramatic for even at my level to be involved in, but part of it is the fact that dealing with what is there currently, what doesn't demand a lot of funding, what can be changed without legislation? In other words, just picking up on the ordinary things that could be done without Westminster or Stormont's having to have too much of a hand on it. Uh, and education was a big one. Legacy was the other one. Legacy and making sure that irrespective of legislation in Westminster, we believed that that was actually, like every other part in Northern Ireland, group Northern Ireland seems to figure the legisl legislation was faulty, should be stopped. They shouldn't go any further. But also the fact that irrespective of what happens, there's a need, and a, a, a crying out need to record. A lot of people won't, most people never get justice. Not, we accept that most people will not get justice. But there is a major need for people to feel that their story is told and heard. And accepting the fact that I will not get, they, are, they will not get justice, but knowing that somewhere, somewhere, it should be this year, next year, 10 years time, that somebody understands that they, what they went through, what the pain they went through, and what it meant. Because it's very easy to pass it over and another generation would say, well, it couldn't be that bad. And really, you know, it, it wasn't that important. You know, it, was, it wasn't that traumatic, but it was traumatic. And we have generations of people now who are actually suffering it quietly. They're not on the streets crying about it. They're not the high-profile people. It's just the people who have had loss and injury over years. And I think it's very important that their story is recruited. Not haphazardly that someone actually sets up something and gives everyone who feels that they should they have a story to tell and an opportunity to tell it and leave it in a manner that can be picked up on uh, by anyone. The range of speakers um, was, were very good. Daunting in some ways because when Dennis Badley was talking and he was talking about, you know, Eames uh, Bradley thing and, he, and, he, and we start scratching our head and thinking, Eames Bradley have spent years on this project. It got endorsement everywhere, and now we're back to nothing. Yeah. You know, so I, I think the consensus seemed to be with the people we were dealing with was that the group we're in that, I mean, it still has to be the bones of whatever is done in the future. You can't, you can't start going back again to go over the same ground as that they meticulously went over and gave thought to. Yeah. So maybe Eames Bradley 
was still the the core of what should happen in the future. It's like everything in this place that nobody can agree on everything and no one will be happy with everything, but we have to do something. I think it's very important because, I mean, it gives, it gives ordinary people a voice. And in, in many ways, there was a big thing about, you know, civic voice, and I think we've lost the civic voice. We, we, we've gone now to politicians, 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 and unfortunately, uh, we haven't a good track record with our politicians uh, working for us. Unfortunately, our politicians seem mostly to be working for our politicians. So, you know, maybe the broader we make these things and the more inclusive we make them and bring in uh, different groups and as broad a spectrum of groups on board as possible, then we make it some we, we make it some progress. But unfortunately, over the last 50 odd years, we've, when things should have been getting better, if I look back 50 years, I would say, Attitudes have not changed by some people in 50 years. Well, uh, I mean, a side issue I was involved in, you know, but I met people who were involved in the civil rights campaign 55 years ago, mm. last year, and we were talking about it, and we said, would you have believed that 55 years down the, road, down the road, when we were making inroads to people being an, an inclusive government here, that we would be in the position we're in now? And we shook our heads and think nobody found it even credible that that would ever happen. Now, the very final event in the 30 process, or at least this series of events, involved Maureen Hetherington, who's the chair of the Hollywood Trust, providing an overview of the recommendations that emerged. So let's listen now to, to what Maureen's got to say about that. This project was essentially about trust, and it was about trusting people to arrive at solutions to some of our more challenging issues, after they have been presented with key information. And we're very proud of the work that has been delivered over the past few months. And we're delighted with the range of solutions that we will be presenting here today. So this workshop's designed as our first attempt to influence policymakers and those who have the opportunity to implement recommendations that have been put forward. So it's important to stress that these solutions have been developed by citizens of this place and these are not Hollywell Trust's ideas. Rather, these are ideas that we will now champion on behalf of the people who participated in the 30 project. Okay, so we've heard some really useful contributions there from Maureen and from participants as well. So Fiona, uh, Maureen referred there to the recommendations that emerged from the 30 conversations. Could you go through those, please? Okay, uh, happy to to provide some insight into what the, the recommendations and solutions proposed by the participants were. Obviously, they were wide-ranging, um, and for anyone who's interested, you can access the report and the full list of specific recommendations, including the percentage of people that voted for them, on our website, on the 30 section. Um, but in terms of strength of feeling, um, I'm just going to talk broadly about some of the kind of key uh, recommendations that came out of each for Civic Voice, there was overwhelming support to have local and everyday citizens involved in decision making and influence or influencing decisions that affect them. Uh, people overwhelmingly wanted to, to receive or see a return of some kind of democratic process for people to have their voices heard um, in an inclusive way. And it was very clear that 
the majority of participants felt strongly that it's not just elected rep representatives that should have say um, and there was real merit found in everyday people deliberating um, deliberating the, the issues at, at hand which was really lovely um, I think importantly as well the, the kind of theme was looking at civic voice 25 years on from the Belfast Good Friday Agreement and so there was also lots of reflection on the, the last 25 years and what that meant for people at individual level um, and that was hugely hugely varied so the strength of feeling in that was the kind of joy that people had space to come together um, and reflect on that crucial time as well but also with a future future focus and their aspirations for going forward um, really importantly to note as well it was very strongly felt at that particular um, theme that the absence of um, a government at this time is having a negative impact on communities, which is obviously no surprise. Um, in terms of legacy, this was quite a quite a difficult um, quite a difficult theme to deal with. It's obviously uh, broad ranging, and people have very varying views on uh, truth and justice and reconciliation, and even the very question, "What does justice mean to you?" can be hugely challenging and problematic but really importantly um timing w w was key here uh this particular residential took place in march this year so it was running concurrently with um the approval of the legacy and reconciliation bill at westminster and we heard input from the legacy team at westminster as part of this but interestingly 100 percent of participants voted strongly against the legacy and reconciliation bill in its current guise at that time and if not completely against it at least to pause it and reconsider the ramifications for um, victims and survivors in this place the strength of feeling on that was massive um, but there was a real also a real positive um, positive focus on providing supports to those people who have been impacted by the conflict um, through a range of things so looking at um, addressing the legacy of um, ill mental health um, and post or intergenerational trauma um, and the impact that, that has going forward and the need for robust education across all our schools on the impact of the conflict and how we can collectively as a, as a society can move forward um, but the overwhelming overwhelming sense from that one was scrap the bill um, and actually quite worryingly quite a lot of people who were taking part had no knowledge of of that particular piece of legislation um, and it really struck us that perhaps there's a bit of a gap um, in terms of knowledge and it's, it's made us consider how we can maybe share some of those um, some of those pieces of legislation as they're coming through and make it more accessible for local people. Now one of the other th themes that you looked at was education so do you want to briefly say what the overall feeling was in, in terms of, uh, of that, those, that group of participants? Yeah, um, for education there was uh, was quite was also quite divisive. A, a large number of participants actually came from the education sector, um, which was interesting. It provided real kind of expert insights. Um, but overwhelmingly, people were uh, in agreement that the education system has to change. It has to become more equitable, particularly for um, children and young people who come from socially economic disadvantaged backgrounds um, and there was a real strength of feeling against the dis disparity in the education system as it currently stands um, but also celebration for those schools who do um, who do well 
but oh, it was it was quite positive and heartening to hear that people really wanted to level the playing field so that opportunities are more equitable for all children and young people of this place. There was also huge strength of feeling um, for increased like targeted investment into early years provision um, and also really strongly the need for an anti-poverty strategy and how that could really help uh, join up some of those challenging issues and make this place um, better for all children and young people um, now and into the future. Uh, thanks Fiona. I mean that's a a pretty good overview about what some of those conversations were. So thanks also to, to Maureen, Aidan, Gronier and Catherine for their contributions, as well, of course, uh, the expert uh, advice presented here by, by Fiona. Uh, so that brings us to the end of this special uh, podcast. Uh, and thanks again to, to Fiona for taking on the role that's normally mine. And um, we've swapped over roles. Uh, so that's it for this episode. Uh, but uh, just to say, Thanks as ever to the Community Relations Council for their funding of the Hollywell Conversations. Previous podcast episodes are available on the Hollywell Trust website. So thanks very much and thanks for listening. Thank you.